All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. You can go ahead and uh, be seated uh, right where you're at. It's good to be with you guys uh, today. If I am yet to meet you, my name is Drew, and I have the great privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at NBC Montgomery County. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapter 17 uh, this morning, verse 11 through 19, so I want to invite you to uh, turn there. And as we study this morning's text, I believe it will serve us as a timely reminder uh, on this New Year morning for us to slow down and reflect on God's goodness in our lives in this past year. And why pause and reflect uh, this morning? Because whenever a new year uh, begins, often the temptation is to give all our attention to what is to come. Perhaps we're genuinely excited to see what God might accomplish in us in this new year. Uh, Perhaps uh, we're excited for what we might accomplish through the resolutions we have in place for ourselves. Or perhaps we're eagerly anticipating that God would provide a year that was better than the prior year. So whether it's excitement about what is coming or anticipating a fresh start, uh, sometimes we get so ahead of ourselves, it can keep us from remembering all God has accomplished in and through us in the year prior. So at the top of this year, I want to extend the invitation for all of us here uh, to pause this morning and reflect on God's goodness to us throughout 2022. All right, kind of like Uh, The famous baby uh, running and returning GIF. I think we have it. Let's see if it'll play. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) I know a lot of you guys are familiar with that. That's how I want to invite you to roll into 2023. All right. By slowing down and redirecting our attention to remembering who God is and what he has done for us in 2022. So that's actually the bottom line for today's message. Remember who God is and what he has done. Let's say that together. Remember who God is and what he has done. All right, so right after this message, we're going to have some time for us to each respond by remembering God's goodness to us and revering his name and worship. But in, pre- in preparation for that time, let's go ahead and look at Luke 17, 11 through 19. Uh, we'll read it together, and then I'll uh, walk through it and uh, share a couple applications that we can take away from this text. So Luke 17, 11 through 19. It says, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. So verse 11 reveals that Jesus is on a journey. Can somebody say journey? And Jerusalem is the goal of his journey. It's where he would ultimately be crucified and he would die uh, on the cross. And at this point, Jesus had predicted up to... about three times already that these events would soon take place. So while traveling in this chapter, he's doing what he normally does, and that is teach people about the kingdom of God and perform miracles that authenticate his teaching. And where exactly this takes place, we don't know, but since it's in between Samaria and Galilee, it's likely it was a place 
that was highly populated by Gentile people in a place that had a leprous community nearby. So these 10 men with leprosy in verse 12 had a skin disease for which there was no cure and was contagious, which required them as lepers to isolate from society. So they were considered outcasts. And leprosy was a common disease uh, to have in these ancient times, so much so that there's a whole chapter in the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, that includes detailed instructions on how the nation of Israel were to deal with lepers and other skin infections. And whoever was suspected of having leprosy had to present themselves before the priests of Israel to be examined. And if found with leprosy, they had to dress a certain way, or they had to have a certain hairstyle and even cry out, unclean, unclean, in public when people passed by them in order to um, notify others of their condition. So their dwelling place was outside of the camp of Israel, where they were quarantined from society, which is why they cry out to Jesus from a distance in verse 13. But just imagine having to live this way. The embarrassment of, ha- of shouting, unclean, unclean, whenever someone passed by you. Imagine how difficult it was to proclaim this. Or even imagine the weight of a permanent quarantine. Like we all understand today what it's like to have to socially distance ourselves and lock ourselves in our homes. We know what it's like to live in fear of physical illness or feel anxious about the possibility of having to physically separate from others. So without a cure, unless the sovereign hand of God intervened, this is how lepers live during these times. So they stand at a distance, and what do these 10 men do? They cry for mercy. Like perhaps they had heard about Jesus from stories prior. Perhaps they knew of the leper that was healed in Luke chapter 5. Perhaps they knew he was a miracle worker and a healer, so they cry out to their only hope for healing. And how does Jesus respond in verse 14? It says, when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. So Jesus, in obedience to God's word, according to Leviticus 13, sends these men back to the priests for examination. This is what they had to do uh, in order to enter the process of being confirmed that they were clean and being able to be brought back to the people. And what's even more amazing is Jesus' response to their cry for mercy. Like, he heals each and every one of them. Like, regardless of their positions as social outcasts, he had compassion for them. And Jesus heals them with words from a distance, not even a touch. He didn't even have to be close to them. And after hearing their cry for mercy, he answers their prayers, he responds to their plea, he sends them to the priest to confirm that they had been healed by the power of Jesus. And I love here how Jesus takes the time to slow down and answer the cry of these people while on his journey. Like, remember, Jesus is on the road to his betrayal, his arrest, his crucifixion, and death. He has such an important task before him, which is the cross of Calvary. And so when when some random, nameless lepers cry out for mercy, he pauses and he gives it to them. Is that not a wonderful God? A God who doesn't crush the weak or despise those who are suffering, but a God who loves and serves those who sincerely cry out to him? Like, this is a wonderful God. In verse 15, we see, the story continues, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. So one man comes back to thank Jesus. And why? Because at one moment, he's sick, And he's separated from society, and the next minute he is well and able to be around others. Like, he was so grateful for what Jesus had done for him 
that with an attitude of gratitude, he returns to Jesus. So kids, we have a picture of what that might have looked like here, all right? This man at the feet of Jesus. But kids and adults in the room, I have a question. How many of you guys received a uh, Christmas gift last weekend? Just show of hands. You received a Christmas gift. All right, everybody. Like, all right, so if you didn't get one, I'll gift you a hug later, okay? <laughs> but how many of you went back and said thank you to the person that gave you a gift? Just show of hands real quick. Just, just, just be honest if you thank that person, right? And why did you do that? Kids, why'd you do that? Why'd you thank somebody for that gift? Yeah, because they gave, thank you, Mariah, because they gave you the gift, right? And because you were grateful, right? So out of an, uh, an expression of gratitude, you either embraced that, you hugged that person, gave them a high five, or you kissed that family member who gave you something. So imagine this man and all that he's grateful for. He pauses and he remembers what Jesus did for him. He runs back to the presence of the one who healed him, and he falls at Jesus' feet, and with a posture of reverence, he thanks Jesus with a loud voice. And you see, there was a reason for all who were here to thank Jesus, but only one was in the presence of Jesus, and this man was a Samaritan. And if you're familiar with the relationship between the Jews and Samaritans, it was a tense one. There was a history of racism and hatred and disdain towards one another, and the Jews would even look down upon these people and typically had no dealing with them. And out of the 10 lepers, it's the Samaritan man, not the Jewish person that would have known God who comes back to thank Jesus, which leads to Jesus' statement in verse 17. Then Jesus said, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Jesus asked some thought-provoking questions here, which may even leave us thinking whether the nine were thankful. And I personally don't I don't want to say that the nine weren't grateful for the gift. I'm sure they were ecstatic about being healed. Although we don't have the details of where they were, I'm sure they were thankful. Like they were once in a permanent quarantine. So probably out of celebration, they went to seek out their friends or families or walk the camp freely and just rejoice in the miracle that they had received. But notice the heart of this one man. Somebody say one man and show me one finger. All right. He's not only thankful for the gift but he's also thankful for the giver. It's not the gift itself, but the source of the gift for which he ultimately expresses his gratitude. So this man recognizes in this moment that Jesus is God, and as a result, he gives God glory. And then in verse 19, Jesus responds by saying, this man's faith in God saved him. You see, all 10 of the men received physical healing, but it was a Samaritan man who received two gifts. All right, kids, can you show me two fingers? Two gifts. The gift of physical healing, which was the leprosy, and also the gift of spiritual healing. When Jesus declares, your faith has saved you, it's not just in reference to the man's leprosy, but it's in reference to his sin. Like this man not only experienced physical healing, but a spiritual cleansing as well, since he recognized and revered Jesus as God. And the other nine missed this. And this is a picture of the nation of Israel that had rejected Jesus and his teaching. Jesus alone possessed the power to heal this rebellious and broken nation. However, some rejected him just like the nine lepers did. They accepted the things that Jesus could do for them, but not Jesus himself. So they took him for granted. However, the Samaritan man, this one man, recognizes who God is and remembers what he had done. And as a a result, his response is to fall on his face 
and reverence towards God and give him glory. So why is this text important for us to know today? Like what significance does it have for us as we start off uh, this new year? And here are three applications that I'd like for you to consider this new year morning as you reflect on who God is and remember what he has done for you. All right, just three points. Number one is receive God's mercy. Can we say that together? Receive God's mercy. So the main takeaway of this text isn't the miracle of removing the men's leprosy. It's the miracle of salvation that is given to the one who acknowledged Jesus and revered him as God. Like the key takeaway here is that Jesus alone possesses the power to save us from our sin, and by his mercy, he does so. You see, leprosy here is an illustration of sin. Just as leprosy was serious, could spread and separate people from their communities, so is sin deadly, spreads and separates people from God. So for ancient Israel, leprosy was a graphic illustration and lesson of the debilitating influence of sin in a person's life. And for us today, it's a reminder that we all suffer from this sin condition. Like the, the Bible teaches that we're all spiritually unclean and in need of God's mercy. Like it, it reveals to us that each of us in this room has sinned before God in thought, word, or action. And the consequences of our sin leads to eternal death and separation from God. And just as Jesus heard the cry of mercy from this one man and extended it to this man, Jesus saw the sinfulness of all humanity, and out of abundance of mercy, he came to earth and offered his life on the cross as the payment for our sin, and after he died, he rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. And he extends the invitation for you today to receive his grace and mercy and receive the gift of eternal life. So you see, Jesus hears us when we cry for his mercy. When we acknowledge that we are sinners and we believe that Jesus is the Son of God who alone can rescue us from our sin and we confess him as Lord of our lives, Jesus extends mercy to us, which means he forgives us and withholds the punishment that we deserve. Therefore, we can approach God with confidence despite our sin, just like this one leper did in the text. So this morning, I urge you to receive the mercy of God found in Jesus. Like accept the free gift that God offers you today in Christ. And for those of you walking with Jesus who have already been recipients of this mercy, rest in his mercy all the days of your life because God's word says that his mercies are new every morning and as a result, great is is his faithfulness. So number one, we not only should rest or receive God's mercy, but we should also, number two, remember God's goodness. Let's say that together. Remember God's goodness. So the one man that returned to Jesus not only received his mercy, but he remembered what Jesus had done for him. He was not only grateful for the gift that he had received, but he was grateful to the giver. And all throughout the scriptures, we see the faithfulness of God. And as we see these scriptures, they serve as reminders of God's presence, not only in, our li- in the lives of past generations, but also as evidence that God can be faithful to us today, and he is faithful. This is why Psalm 90, verse 1, Moses declares that God is a dwelling place for all generations. Like he's declaring something, a part of who God is, it's in his character, he's always faithful. But it's not only important to declare that he is faithful, but to remember his faithful acts towards us. This is why Psalm 105.5 states we should remember all the mighty deeds that God has done for us. 
And as followers of Jesus, the encouragement, the challenge today is that we should live in remembrance of what God has done for us and for others that we know around us. Like it's important for us to remember because we're forgetful people. Amen? Amen. Right? Anybody forgetful? Just show hands if you're a forgetful person. Yeah, there we go. All right. Like we forget to run errands. We lose track of time. Amen. We forget to do our homework. We forget to flush the toilet. Somebody please remind my five-year-old daughter that she's allowed to do that. We forget our passwords. We forget to be at certain places at certain times. So we have reminders in our, in our calendars and our phones. And bottom line, we're forgetful people. And this is why we see scriptures like the historical Psalms that serve as reminders of God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel. And Israel often recited and sang these scriptures as reminders of God's presence with them in the highs and lows of life. And the point of doing that was to praise God, but was also for them not to forget the way God had worked for them in the past. You see, we all fall into the danger of forgetting God's faithfulness in our own lives. We can be like the nine lepers who, after being healed, were possibly extremely grateful for the gift, but did not return to thank God as the source of the gift. And this is why we need to remember his goodness. And we can do that practically in our lives daily when we pray. By thanking God for his grace in the morning and thanking God for his grace at night before we go to bed. We can do that when we read God's word. We remember who God is in his faithfulness as we study the scriptures. We can remember when we take communion, as we meditate on God's mercy and grace, as we remember his mercy and grace to us, as we take of, of the bread and the cup that symbolize his body and blood that was, that was given for us to pardon our sin. We can remember when we sing together as one family, reminding each other of God's character and consistency in our lives, even when we don't believe it. We can remember by taking notes of the way he is faithful throughout the year, like maybe journaling each day about answered prayers or miracles that God has performed in our lives. We can remember when others share their testimony of God's goodness to them, reminding us that we aren't alone in the midst of our suffering and our struggle with sin. Like just as Facebook like sends us annual reminders or monthly reminders of pictures we've posted in the past, or our smartphones remind us of old photos in our galleries, we need to have reminders, mental reminders of God's goodness in our lives. This is why as, an, as a, a, a former athlete and as a current sports fan, I love highlight reels. Anybody like highlight reels? Anybody know, doesn't know what a highlight reel is? All right, so highlight reels are, are um, kind of clips, and we have a picture of a cameraman. So kids, like pretty much someone will take clips from what the cameraman has recorded during an athletic game, and then they compile all the great clips of, um, of, that athlete, of the athlete or the team's performance. So as this highlight reel, the purpose that they serve is to show the best clips of an athlete's career. So when people forget the greatness of athletes like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan, we can point back to evidence in those videos and those highlight reels of their greatness. And the same applies with our relationship with God. Like we should be able to have mental or physical highlights of God's goodness throughout our lives. So just think for a moment. If God were to show you a highlight reel of your life, where would you see his goodness to you? You see, we ought to live in remembrance of God's goodness every day of our lives. And as as we remember his goodness to us in 2022, it will remind us that he will remain good to us in 2023. And for those of you who are suffering due to hardship in your life today, this is good news. 
Because it shows that God hasn't given up on you, that he is is still with you. He hasn't abandoned you, that despite the pain and the disappointment and the loss and the sickness or the grief you're experiencing and that you're bringing with you into the new year, it's a reminder that God is with you, that he remains good to you today, and he is using your circumstance to mold you into the person that he desires you to be. So you can glorify him in your suffering and give space for God to use your circumstances for your good good and his glory, just as he did for the one man here who returned to him in Luke 17. So we ought to remember, uh, I'm sorry, we ought to receive God's mercy, remember God's goodness, but we should also, number three, revere God's name. All right, let's say that together. Revere God's name. Like remembering who God is and what he has done should lead us to humbly exalt and praise God with all that we are. And this is exactly what the one man did. Like he remembered Jesus, then he returned to Jesus, and then he revered Jesus. And the scriptures say he did this with a loud voice, giving glory to God, falling down at his feet and thanking him. Like this is a description of the posture of praise that our hearts should adopt this morning. Like to have reverence for God requires that we humble ourselves before him, that we recognize who he is, and that we respond to him appropriately. To have reverence for God is to acknowledge his greatness and dwell in all of who he is. But it also involves fearing and obeying him as Lord, but also expressing our gratitude for what a kind and loving savior he is. And there is absolutely no better way for us in this room this morning to kick off this new year than by revering the name of Jesus today. God desires this from us all the days of our life, and the way we submit to him, and the way we treat ourselves, and the way we love others, and the way we live for his glory. But one tangible way you can revere God today is just to give him thanks for at least one way or the many ways he has been faithful to you in this past year. And you can do that by praying, you can do that by shouting it out loud, you can do that by sharing it with someone, or by singing of his goodness. Like, let's learn from this Samaritan man's example this morning to receive and rest in the mercy of God, to remember he is faithful despite our circumstances, and to revere him as we worship him with our lives. So the bottom line of today's message is to remember who God is and what he has done. And that's exactly how I'd like for us to spend the rest of our time this morning, remembering what God has done and praising him for who he is. Before we do that, let me pray for us, and then we'll spend some time responding to God. Father, we thank you for your word uh, this morning, Lord. It's such a timely, short text, and yet so timely and so powerful, God. As these 10 men encounter you, God, we thank you for the example of the one man. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that the mercy that you extended to this man You extend it to us today. Thank you for your saving grace, God. And God, I pray for anyone in this room today who is yet to follow you, yet to trust you as their Lord and Savior, God. I pray that you would move in their hearts this morning, God, that you will open their hearts to believing in you as their Lord and Savior, God. I pray that they would receive your mercy, God. And God, I pray for all of us, Lord, that are here, that are following you, God, that we would continue to rest in your mercy and your goodness to us. 
We thank you, Lord, that as we remember what you've done for us, God, that we can see all the highlights of the ways that you have provided and ways you have protected and preserved our lives. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. And as a result, our response today is to revere you, God, through song and prayer and taking the Lord's Supper and sharing your goodness publicly with those around us, God. We want you to be glorified today in a Psalm 115 way, not to us, not to us, Lord, but to your name alone be the glory for your faithful love and your faithful truth, God. Would you be glorified through us this morning? We pray this in your name. Amen.